Who killed the gymnast? Was it her teammate? Was it her coach? Or was it her benefactor? Welcome to the Benson, welcome to the world of gymnastics. Right? This isn't the Olympics. This is Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast. Twisted, a Law and Order SVU podcast, which is on Spotify, or Anchor FM, or WordPress and all that stuff, though. Now, this is your host, Brian Rose. Hey, how was your weekend so far? And all my Spanish listeners, como esta? Alright, so, going for another weekend, you know, started for the delay, yeah, I just had like a busy weekend so far. About to get ready to go on this camp trip though. Now, I'm gonna give you a few minutes of the time. You know, it's just um, I was watching. Uh, I didn't have the time to watch uh, the latest episodes of Law and Order SVU and uh, OC because I was stuck at work. However, I was, I was watching it on Peacock, the you know the streaming service from NBC. And uh, when I saw SVU, it's, it's saying that this is a female saying she got raped by, um, she was raped right in front of her son. And they go to like three suspects as one of them was an ex and all stuff. And it turns out that there was a familiar attack happened though. And it happens to be police officer's daughter. And it turns out, I mean, the, the, the perp turns out to be the ice cream man, right? And next thing you know, something happens. It is the, the ice cream man got roughed up in prison, and then they dropping the charges against the one of the, the mother and all the stuff. I mean, wait a minute, what's going on around here? This is just messed up right there, man. I mean, they let him go. Two more got raped. Let him go, and that's messed up. And then. And I was watching the, the Law and Order organized crime. Saver went deep undercover. I mean, he shot a guy undercover, and he was sleeping with the mobs. He ended up sleeping with the mobster's wife. Well, almost. I mean, he was getting ready to have sex with this damn middle-aged lady. Man, that's like adultery right there. So, what's gonna happen here, right? We'll find. We'll find out about that. We'll see if I'll find out next week. Now, um, recently I've been watching the many states of Newark, and I've seen that movie twice already. I mean, this is like, I mean, I've seen the movie like twice, maybe three times already. And um, I don't know. I feel like I'm having a guilty pleasure, but I found out that, that these people who seen the movie, they hated the movie. I mean, I was looking into YouTube, and then you got these um people. They they're trashing the movie, they're panning the movie, and they told that it is the it's no it's plotless, and um and you know the movie's shitty. And I mean, I'm all, I mean, well, they partially right. I agree with the one thing. You know, I mean, it wasn't as as uh, entertaining. You know. Exciting, well, I mean, it had a few moments, you know. I mean, I had it had a couple of laughs and all that stuff, though. But you know, you get understand what you want to understand with the states of Newark and the, the, the dialogue they speak seeking is refers to the original TV series, like when, um, Uncle, like when, um, Uncle Junior says that he that Tony doesn't have a varsity of a athlete. Uncle Junior said it in season five. So, so there is, well, there is some dialogue that relates to the TV show and um, the lines they say on the TV show is what they say in the movie. But I'm gonna tell you this. I mean, these critics, though they be 
they, I mean, not the critics, though. They, they praise if some of them, they have mixed feelings. But I'm talking about the viewers, though. They panned the movie saying that they hated it. Now, I understand as a Sopranos fan myself, I mean, I watch that show every week religiously, man, and since it came out in 1999. So, some of the people, they never have watched The Sopranos before, and they have the nerve to see the movie. They think it's all bullshit, but I, however, the loyal Sopranos fans, they think that the movie is garbage. Well, I have mixed, to my opinion, I have mixed feelings about the movie, too. I mean, they shouldn't have used more scenes with the um, Michael Gandolfini as Tony Soprano against all types of like more crimes, and we should see more of. Um, I think we see more of young uh, Silvio Dante and a young Paulie Walnuts and a, a young Big Pussy. I mean, giving more scenes and all that stuff, like giving more dialogue and a lot of f bombs. And you should give more, and then, the, and, you know, the young actress that played Carmella, I mean, they should have put, in, put on more scenes with her, but, I mean, but she was only with one scene. And you got, like, like minor characters like Artie, Uko, and Jackie. But you got the main characters like Livia, Uncle Junior, and all this stuff, so it's like, um, hmm. But, um, in my opinion, you know, I mean, they should have made the movie better, but I mean, it's so. I'm gonna give it a two and a half stars, my opinion, because I mean, I mean, well, I had it had some moments too, because you know they centered on the Newark riots. That's a historical event. That's one of them, actually, though, because you know it's like the Italians used to get along with the blacks in Newark. A lot of these young people don't understand it because they don't understand. They they never even watched the TV, Sopranos TV series. So, I say the Many States of Newark sequel is fair, like two point five. I mean, it should have done better. You know, like a three or a four. I mean, we just um, I mean, the plot line was a little weak, in my opinion. So. Okay, so um, moving on right now, and then this week, Benson and Stabler get into the world of gymnastics. This ain't the Olympics, you know what I'm saying, though? And um, we're trying to find out who killed the gymnasts. So, gymnastics is like a rough sport, and then you got these young ladies, though. They have to train real hard and stay fit to you know, flip and go high and all that stuff. I mean, you look at some mobiles and all that stuff, though. And um, I have a lady. I, uh, oh, I remember back in the days, uh, Mary Lou Renan used to do all the leaps and the turns and flips during back in the 84 Olympics. What happened to Mary Lou Renan right now? I don't know what it is. So uh, at the end of the episode, I'm going to bring out... Uh, the recent headline about these um, gymnasts going to court to go and testify against this guy who abused them and all stuff. So yeah, let's go get to the episode. All right. This is Law and Order Season 2, Episode 9, Pixies. And it aired on NBC on January 12, 2001. Now, 2001 is a year that there's been a lot of changes going on in this country. And you know, you already know that the Twin Towers is going to be tumbling down late, like late, late in the year, though. And it's going to be a time, you know, when um, America was um, showing its pride. But I mean, but we're not going to get to that in, in the future episodes. So 2001 is like big changes to me. I mean, I was working at that time, though. So, and you already know about the war in Afghanistan, and then after the Twin Towers fell down, and then they talk about Osama bin Laden. I mean, everything was coming ahead on 9-11. So, um, and I, like I was saying, in the 2001, it's like a last year of freedom, like the final months of freedom until everything changes, though. So, um, and Pixies has something to do with, you know, Girls who look like teenagers, but they look like girls because they're not even like um, 
getting enough um, nutrition in their bodies or they, they go for bulimia and all that stuff like that, though. So, all right. So, like I said, uh, this is um, written by Tracy Stern. It's a, it's a um, teleplay by T- Tracy Stern. And it's a story from Clifton Campbell, Jet Urkel, and Tracy Stern. It's directed by John Day Zegonsack. So that's probably going to be his third or fourth for parents director, directing something like that, though. John Day Zegonsack. That guy sounds familiar because he was working on Homicide Life on the Street as the cinematographer and all that stuff, though. So. 2001. This is the first episode of SV of 2001. This is like 20 years later now. It's 2021. So, um, and here we go. Okay, it's the morning time. And you got, we're, in some, we're somewhere in the meatpacking district. And you got a couple of workers that they were carrying something and stuff like that. And one of the guys bumps into something on the speed. And yo, check this out. They discovered it was a dead girl wearing some sweatpants and some uh, hoodie and stuff like that, though. Oh, in other words, the meat workers find a dead girl. So, um, turns out, me probably a young hooker. So, a short time later, though, a mess and slaver arrive at the crime scene. Guess what? They have um, Tamara Tootie making her second appearance as Dr. Warner. She joins them in the crime scene. Okay, so um, turns out that um, Warner goes to to examine the body, and she was just like, guess what? She's dead. So Bess and Saber realized that this girl was probably a hooker. But I mean, and then this Asian dude, this Asian forensics dude, he shows up. I mean, he brings out, he found blood on a brick. It turns out that the brick was used as a murder weapon. And it turns out the girl has been raped and um and she's probably like a young hooker. But why is a why why is a hooker dressed up in sweatpants and a hoodie? She doesn't even look like a hooker. But you even know the young girls that identified as Jane Doe and all that stuff though. Okay, so like I said before, is that um this in opening scene, it's Maratuni's back there for the second episode. I mean, her last appearance was back on season two, episode six, non-compliance. And then she um had only just one scene there. But for this episode, though, she's gonna have a little more scenes on that show. So she is one of the new one of the new recurring characters from season two. All right. So um we go through the opening credits and um we're in the squad room right now, and they're investigating this Jane Doe, and they're trying to figure it out that, that she that has been pimped on, and, and they're trying to find um, pimps uh, or something like that. But and then they also found some rape trauma and stuff like that. So some so um, Captain Cragen. He he, tell, he tells Benson Stable to go to the morgue and examine the body, and Cragen tells Munch and Finn to go see to, to this apartment where and ask if anyone heard any screams like late at night, something like that. So Finn was like door to door. So before Cragen say he before Cragen had him and Munch and Finn go search, here come Ice T was like, any guess, door to door. Cragen was like pretty convenient. So in any way, you know, having the girls flat and she might be underdeveloped, so she could be um, got some rules and stuff like that. I don't know what it is though. So okay, we're outside this apartment building, and much of beer are at the front door, and then you got Finn knocking on um, some superintendent's door, and you know the Greek lady comes out, and she was like, "I don't know nothing," and then she slams the door on them, but. Before she did it, you know, Munch held the door before she slammed it shut. And um, next thing you know is that she, well, moments later, the, um, Munch and Ice-T, they're in the, the, the Greek superintendent's apartment. And she said that she don't even know anything, something like that. So they asked her something if she hear any um, sounds last night. And the super Greek superintendent said she don't know shit. 
and then Munch threatens to curse her and all that stuff, though. So, um, and then uh, the Greek lady was like, you can put a hex on me? And, um, and Munch was like, he's for sure, something like that. So the, the superintendent was like that um, she heard a noise last night, and he heard a woman calling her a whore. So it might live like a hooker or something like that, though. And after uh, Munch and Ice-T leave the apartment, they was, um, Ice-T was like, you sent a map or something like that. And, you know, and, you know, I, you know Munch playing Finn, he says that he's an optimist, though. He ain't worried about shit, so. So, and when after they had talked with the superintendent, they Munch and Finn are outside the apartment, and then then Finn was like crazy Munch for his police skills work, or whatever you want to call it, though. So, before we go to the next scene, I want you to you didn't notice this, but during the credits sequence, though, there's a new showrunner of the town, and that guy's name is Neil Bear. So this is like his first episode as showrunner, something like that, though. And uh, speaking about that, Neil Bear, I, mean, I was listening to him on one of the other podcasts the other day, and he talking about this certain episode we had to be where he had to reshoot a scene and all that stuff, though. So after listening to this, I had this idea. I was thinking about having him as a guest on my show. You know, I'm letting make an announcement. I'm going to announce that I want to invite the previous Law & Order SVU showrunner, Neil Bear, as a guest on my show. And we're going to be talking about like a certain episode, which he did. So are you happy about that? Okay. We'll see what happens. All right. Okay. We're at the, we're at the sneaker store right now, and Benson and Sailor are there, and they talk to a worker. But he was like super busy. He was like, "Excuse me, I gotta deal with the customers." I mean, he was carrying like a couple of boxes of shoes to the customers to try it on. I mean, he was in a rush, rushing all that stuff though. So, much best and Saber found out that the victim wore running shoes, and they're trying to figure out which um, shoes that she was wearing. And they asked the shoe guy if she was a customer and all that stuff. And uh, you know, the um, shoe store guy was like. She was like a customer or something like that. I don't know what it is though. And um, and then later on, we're at the morgue, and guess what? Dr. Warner is there. And she says that um, she tells Benson Slaver that the Jane Doe was working for somebody. So she's probably like a prostitute. And then she also told him that there was some blunt trauma, rape, bruises, and rape trauma, and all that. Um, head was like um all of them swollen and so they thinking much the same thinking that there was like a young prostitute and something like that so they're trying to figure it out that who's pimping her out and all that stuff though okay so meanwhile we outside the church and much and Finn are there and they're going to talk to this madam and all this stuff you know what i mean just a black a fat black woman who's a madam and she ran some kind of a brothel, something like that. I don't know what it is, something like that, though. So, bunch of things come out of the car. They're going across the street to church. And then Ben was like, what are we doing here? Ben's like, what are we doing here? Much of like, we're in um, service, more afternoon service. And then all of a sudden, they, they spotted this fat black woman who happens to be a madam. And then they stop her on the tracks. And... um Sister, sister was like, please let me go. I'm late for church and all that stuff. So um, they ask her, they, they're trying to investigate if she knows um, the Jane Doe or anything like that, though. And then the fat lady was mentioning something about Mary Magdalene and all that stuff. And then Ben was, ben was like, he repented. And then she was like, oh, I'm a work in progress, so don't judge me or I'll go to heaven before you. Yo, man. I can't believe the sisters talking shit to Finns like that, man. I mean, this is something racist. It's like Willie Lynch syndrome and shit. I mean, you were a black woman telling a black getting black woman having a nasty attitude toward a black man like that, though. What is wrong with you, yo? And then next thing you know, that she be talking sweet to Munch, and she's like, "What can I do for you, detective?" And then Munch shows her the picture of the, the Jane Doe and all that stuff, though. And and she was like, "I don't know. I mean, I." 
I don't know this little girl. And then Finn was like, like yeah, these girls, like, she's like, they dress all underage. And, she, and the lady, the fat lady, like, I, 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 I'm not, I'm not into that part. I'm not into, like, um, but you know, my girls dress that part, though. And then she tells them that there's this guy who be selling um, kitty porn at a porn shop or something like that. And um, his name was like uh, Wally, something like that. I don't know. No, no, not Whiskey Willie. Willie really or something like that, though. And then and then before she goes into church, she tells Spin, I, I'll pray for you. Now, what the hell is that shit for? I mean... You got a black woman getting a nasty attitude towards a black man, and she's talking all sweet, unkind to a white man. But I don't even like that scene because, I mean, that's like a case of Willie Lynch syndrome. I mean, it shows how ignorant our, bro- our brothers and sisters are. All. Like, they want to talk down to your own people like that, though. What's wrong with you? It's This is self-hatred shit, you know what I'm saying? You know, it ain't right, man. It ain't right, though. Oh, my. So, anyway, we're at the x-rated video store and um <laughs> and you see this guy named willie he he's um gives it back to a customer before he drives off much of finn show up and then munch shows him a picture of the the the, the, the dead girl so willie takes the picture and just stares at it and make it a face before finn snatches it say, saying don't make me smack you and uh Willie says he oh, you know the girl. I mean, and then he tells her, he tells the detectives that he never seen this girl before. And at the same time, he he gives a gesture to the other customer who was returning some from the store. And then Ben catches the guy. Ben catches the customer is like, hey, and he stops in, and then he takes the tape out of his bag. And then Willie was like, he was just returning this and coming and all that. You know what I mean? And then much of like I would see him on Reddit though. <laughs> I mean, Finn. I mean, Finn is smart. Now, he tried to notice because when he saw when he was looking over there, and he made a hand gesture to the other customer who was coming to return the tape. Finn catches it and grabs it, say, "Hey, who's this though?" So um, they're trying to do the best and investing with the um, kitty porn and all that stuff. And then it was like telling the other customer, "Oh man, you know you want to get the you want to get what." You want to get your way with this? Uh, now, speaking about the porn store, I used to go to these um, X-rated porn stores years ago. You know, I'm a single guy, and, you know, I'm curious about sex and stuff like that, though. And um, we're just men. So I used to go to these porn stores, and i go into these little booths where I could go in and put some money in and look at some and look at some sex scenes and then I gotta change the channel a couple of times though. They call it I think it was it's not Nickelodeon but I mean nickel booths or Nickelodeon booths or something like that. But they had no they had these little TV booths on the shoulder deuce back in the days where you just have to look at them porn in there for a minute or two and all that stuff. But my experience going to that porn shop, you know you could Go put your money in and watch a porn scene for at least a minute. And then you want to see it again, you got to put in more money. I mean, that's a headache, though. And then I used to do that. And then every t- but the one thing I didn't like when I was in the booths, man, you got these assholes watching and staring at you. Know I mean, I didn't like that. You know what I mean? I had to stop going. I had to stop going. Um we're going over there because I don't want—I don't like security. I mean, I feel uncomfortable with these wannabe security guys watching over me, and then probably I do something. So I stopped going there, man. I don't do that nonsense no more. I'm too old. For, I'm too old for that, though. I was just kind of young, you know. Men are curious, curious about sex and something like that. I don't know what it is, though. Okay, so we're in the interrogation room, and then Benson Sable bring the Willie in, though, and then. A um, question about the Jane Doe, and she, she don't even know anybody. So, um, and it turns out, you know, um, when after they had a conversation with them, um, Benson, Saber, and Munchenpin come out. Turns out that the Jane Doe is identified as a 13-year-old 
on Queen's name, um, Carla, right? And so they decided to charge Willie with selling kitty porn. And it turns out that he doesn't even know the 13 year old from Queens and Carla. So, so I mean, just so it's like, um, they're going to charge Willie with selling kitty porn and stuff like that, though. Okay, so we're at uh, Carla's mother's house somewhere in Queens. And then she tells her that um, she has been busy for days and her, her father was responsible for killing her and all that stuff because they had like fighting over custody or something like that, though. So, the best is they would take Carla's mom onto the moor to see her body, but Carla's mother realized that this isn't her. So, it turns out that it's, they've um, it turns out that that's, that's that's not her that's not her daughter. So, case goes back to square one, Beta Black, and Act One. So. Now we go to Act Two right now, and when we outside Craigan's office in the squad room, and um, Craigan tells them that you study everything, you know, you did the best you could, and Stable was like, "Well, this job sucks." So, however, outside the squad room, they discovered that um, the um, the the Jane Doe had a teddy bear necklace. It had the words, "For all my love, Poppy." Oh shit, though. I now that little girl's learning Spanish now, you know, like Ricky Martin, like living in the Vigo Lopa, Loco or Jennifer Lopez or Mark Acme, something like that, though. So, damn, you know, living la vida, loca. Oi, 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 oi. We did the come up, loca. Oi, 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 oi. Living la vida, loca. So, <laughs> you got a necklace full of teddy bears with the words for all my love, poppy. Oh, Jennifer Lopez will be like, hey, Poppy. <laughs> One of her songs. So, <laughs> anyway, Munch says that he knows a jeweler who made all these jewelry and stuff like that. So, they, um, so, Reagan tells them they can go make a visit. So, we're at the, um, at the jewelry place, and then there's this old white guy with the glasses. She tells him that, um, about these teddy bears and stuff like that, though. So, um. And it told he tells him that um, he knows a guy named Wallerstein, and he tells him that his son has a jewelry store over there. So, so much thanks him for all the stuff, though. Meanwhile, we're missing persons, and Vincent Stabler missing persons, and you got a, a, a brother though. He goes to the computer, and turns out that, that she's looking at into the names of the James Doe, and and then so it turns out that um, she's a uh, Girl is ID'd as a 16-year-old woman who his name is like Christy, something like that, though. So, um, and she, he also tells them that she was leaving gym practice for um, going to Corsica's gym or something like that, though. So, okay, so we go to the Red Corsica's gym, and then you got a bunch of girls. They are practice, doing some gymnastics, and they're practicing and training and stuff like that. And there's this guy named Corsica. He's being too hard on these little girls and telling them that pain is the price you pay. He tells one of the girls pain is a price a price to pay for for um you know um perfection and success and what you might call it though. So so Bethany Stabler to come and call to wanted to talk to Corsica in his office. Now, who's um now we have a who's that guy? Who's that actor who's playing um Corsica? You want to be champion. You must accept nothing less than perfection. My ankle. Pain is the price of glory. Here. Now you do it again. This time you spot the wall. All right, that actor happened to be Philip Casanova. And he played the Russian inmate on HBO's Eyes. So <laughs> and he was there for a couple of seasons. And then and um, during his time on Oz, he played a Russian inmate who was doing time. But um, what happened with that character, he was electrocuted to death by the, the ugly, ugly ass female CO. And she, what she did, she threw a toaster in the bathtub 
plugged in and he and he electrocuted him to death. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he was, <laughs> yeah, he <did. laughs> oh man, that CEO is a bad, crazy ass bitch, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, excuse me. Yeah, so um, all right. This actor he plays a uh, Elias Korska. He's like a coach, and he runs his own organization and all that stuff. And he be trained these young girls and stuff like that. So, so it's a gym where he trains these young teenage girls who are like underdeveloped to be Olympic champions and all that stuff. So, I'm gonna call Mr. Korska the Russian, the Russian inmate from Oz, right? So um, so okay, so um. We inside his office, and um, they President Stabler asked um, the Russian guy from Oz about the girl named Christy and stuff like that, though. And um, he tell him, and she he asked him uh, where her parents are, and um, the Russian guy from Oz tells him that their parents live in Oregon. So um, they bring her over here, and then he he they. They they put his daughter under his care or something like that to train him with the best and all that stuff, what you would call it though. So the detective Benson Stabler asked him if the girls went on went had any went out on dates, and then the Russian guy from Mars says, That's impossible. My girls will ne- never go on dates. They just they just want them, he wants them to train and all that stuff. And he he had no time for boyfriends and what you would call it and stuff like that though. So so and then and then um and then uh, the Russian guy from Mars, um, Russian inmate from Mars says that um Chrissy should have been the best and all this stuff, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, so he's so sad to see her go. Okay, so moments later we have Detective Benson, she's talking to one of the gymnasts. I think it was um it's not Christy, but I think it was like Lori, I don't know what you might call it, Lori. Now, um Who's um? Who's the? We got who's that girl? Who that actress is playing Lori? I waited till eight thirty, but she never showed, so I just rambled down her. You two run together every night? Yeah, eight o'clock sharp. We meet at the pier and run along the promenade to Battery Park City and back. It's a hell of a job. All right, the lady. All right, the actress who played Lori. Was none ever the actress Kate Mara, and she had this show called Teacher, or something like that, on cable, something like that, though. So, so this this episode, she's that was she like before she was famous and shit like that, though. So we want to put her in with the before she was famous profile, right? So Benson is having a conversation with Kate Mara, and she says that the, that um, her coach um, was treating her harshly because. She, cause she not, she not, she not what she wasn't trained enough, and the next thing you know that the K Mara walks away, and Benson was like, "Damn," and you know sometimes you know it's some um, when you're in the world of gymnastics, you know sometimes the coach can be hard on you because he wants you to practice, and it can be painful sometimes because your foot, foot, your knees and your feet will be sore and stuff like that though, so like inflammation. You gotta take care of your bodies, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so you gotta take care of your bodies. I mean, these gymnasts though, they wanted to um be the best and all that stuff. I mean, you know, you I watched the Olympics recently, and then you got Simone Biles, and then that um that white girl who makes a damn uh, smirk on her face. I mean, she was in the Geico commercial. I mean, I forgot her name, but um. We're going to bring out a short topic after the, this episode, right? Okay, we're at the art gallery, and um, Munch is outside the door. He's not knocking back, knocking on the window, stuff like that. And you got people that they just ignoring him. No, no, and next thing you know, he buzzes. He, he pushes the buzzer, and he shows his badge and stuff like that, though. So this is security guard, this security guard comes over the door, opens it for Munch, and then... Well, if I was along with him, he was like, love your indoor policy. <laughs> so Munch wants to ask the security guard, who's the guy 
Boom or the customer who brought this um, piece of uh, teddy bear necklace and stuff like that, though. And the security guard was like, though, right now, I got plenty of customers. You have to wait. And I got plenty of customers waiting. And then Munch was like, well, let him wait. Munch and and the Finns didn't want to find out who bought the necklace and stuff like that with the words, all my love, Poppy, and all that stuff. I don't know what it is, though. I mean... But once he comes in the art gallery dressed like Darkwing Duck, or we maybe um or other than that, I think the there was another character I'm trying to think of. I mean, um the guy. Oh yeah, that guy from um the Blacklist. I mean, it was before the Blacklist, but he comes much coming in with this black cap, black coat, like looking like he's like um. The Rim Reaper and shit like that. <laughs> okay, so um, meanwhile, um, Benson and Stabler, though, they're at um, some teammates' uh, mother's apartment, and um, they told they and then um, she mentioned, and then the mother mentioned something about Christy, and then she was best and all that stuff. And then you got, I think, no, nah, no, no, I don't think it's the mother. It's like a caretaker or something like that i don't know what it is though so um and um next thing he knows that there was a little girl coming in the living room with a big ass teddy bear and stuff like that though so with benson stabler talks to the lady while benson talks to the little girl so talking about like little christy and all that stuff so so we upstairs in the bedroom and then Oh yeah, and then your lady she also mentions about the Russian dude from Oz. They brought her in the, under the wing, and they had to groom her and all that stuff. I mean, I don't know much about this, so let's move on. All right, um, we're in the little girl's bedroom, and uh, Benson's talking to a little girl who's probably a sister or something like that, though. And the little girl tells Benson that Chrissy got a big ass teddy bear from a guy. She like because she likes teddy bears. So after that, Ben Benson and Stabler do a brief walk and talk after they leave the uh, the uh, the apartment, and then they're trying to um, try they try they want to go talk to Christie's running mate, happens to be Lori. So we outside Lori's apartment. Lori comes out of her house and walking up the stairs because she's about to go jogging. So Benson and Stabler talk to her, and then about about what time is she what that she was running with Lori before her death. She tells him maybe about Monday or Tuesday or something like that. But she doesn't have the time to talk because she got to go out running, jogging, excuse me, jogging. Because she has, like, a schedule she want to deal with that, though. Okay, so um, after she ran off, though, we at the um, Stabler's house. And um, Stabler's in the living room watching TV. And her daughter's in the background doing some homework. And her and her daughter, his eldest daughter, Kat Maureen. Was it Maureen or Kathleen? Kathleen. Kathleen. Okay, her eldest daughter Kathleen, you know, I mean, she just stressed out saying, I can't do this shit no more, you know. And Kathleen was worried about her grades and stuff like that. And she tells uh, her father that she got a B plus. And Say was like, That's great. And then she was like, That's not good enough though. I wanna have an A and all this stuff though. Sable tells her, yo. Um, Kathleen, you're 15 years old. Relax. And she, I know his daughter is worried about not getting good grades at school. I mean, a B plus is good. It's it's above average. It's a good grade. Cause she wanted to get into some elite school, but they're asking for A's and stuff like that. But I mean, she got time. I mean, you need to chill out, Maureen. Be patient. You'll get your time. You know, right? It's not the end of the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so it's like a short, this is just one scene she did, you know, the actress playing Kathleen retired from acting and all this stuff. And I heard that she had gone another career as, I don't know what you would call it, something like that though. All right. So, um, we at the precinct and then, and Stabler is coming out of the elevator and heading towards the squad room and, um, they talking about the, the case dealing with, um, the Lori and um, Christy and the coach and stuff like that, though, because they're trying to figure out the who's 
the who that guy who brought the te- big teddy bear necklace for um, Christy. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like the, um, Christy probably got some kind of a boyfriend or whatever that um, the Russian guy from Mars wasn't wasn't aware about. So, um, however, it, when it, guess what? They just found out that the man who brought the bracelet for Christy is ID'd as Kyle Hubert. And um, Sable is like, he run, he has, he had ties to the Russian inmate from Oz. And Scringles is like, looks like we found out Poppy. <laughs> and and Act Two, Fade to Black. Now, check this out. This dude, right? He uh he's like a benefactor, and then he he was doing business with the, the Russian inmate from Oz or aka Mr. Mr. Korska, something like that, though. So, um, and somehow it turns out that um, Kyle was probably having a, uh, some kind of a relationship, uh, having some kind of relationship with Christy, and then he gave her the teddy bear necklace. Oh my love, Poppy! Damn. It, uh, now, this girl is like a teenager, like sixteen years old, and this guy Kyle, he's a, a grown ass man, and. What were we doing with a young teenage girl like that, though? Hmm. I don't know what it is, though. So, we're in the second half of the story right now, and um, Benson is able to talk to Mr. Hubert about his relationship with uh, Christy, and um, somehow, you know, I mean, he's just like, um, it was like a professional relationship. I mean, he gave her a bracelet for, like, um, or all the stuff and stuff like that. So it's just like he's a special woman and all this stuff, though. But and then they they ask him a question that he has sexual relationship with her, and Mister Hugh was like, "He didn't get the hell are you talking about, though? It's none of your business." I mean, come on, y'all. I mean, so yeah, if you want questions, why don't you talk to Mister Korska? Okay, so we're back at the gym, and Benson Stable is talking to the the Russian inmate from Oz. Again, and they asked him about Kyle Huber, and they found out if he had like a special relationship with the Christie. And guess what? The Russian guy, the Russian inmate from Oz, defended himself, saying Kyle gave her a break, gave her a bracelet because of all the hard work and the training, stuff like that. It's like a congratulations gift and all this stuff, though. If it wasn't for Mr. Huber, though, I wouldn't have been here. Excuse me. He's about to go and get the world. And then he was like, guys, get it right. <laughs> he's talking with a Russian accent and all that stuff, though. I mean, yo, he don't have time for no conversations with Benson State because he want to get to work training them damn girls. He don't want to be bothered. Um, what's up with him? Okay, so what's up with him, man? Is he becoming an asshole or something like that? Hmm. Okay, so Benson Stabler, they need to go on and talk to the, the team gymnast, though, and then <laughs> and then um, and Stabler is talking to this girl with a high pitched voice. <laughs> He's like, Give it, give it, time to sweet guy, you know, this stuff, time to sweet guy, it's all that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, I think I've seen the actress before. I mean, the actress with the high pitched voice, she also appeared in um, the season three premiere of SVU called, um, I think it was. Um, it was a season three premiere. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, repression, something like that though. And she played the sister of one of the victims and all that stuff though. Younger sister. So I mean, this is I, I, so after they say she's a repeat offender, but I seen that girl's face. I mean, the girl with the high pitched voice. She sounds like a damn ten year old. <laughs> no, 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 biggest. She sounds like an eight year old. High pitched voice like Steve Urkel for Family Matters. So this this high pitched girl, she's talking to Stabler about Kyle Hubert. Next thing you know, she noticed that the Russian inmate from Oz was staring at her seriously. And she was like, I I I gotta go. I get back to this. And then Stabler stops her saying, Okay, what's what would they do with Kyle? And then she tells him that she felt uncomfortable with Kyle, and then she kind of always fingers is flirting with her and all that stuff though. So and Spencer talks to another gymnast, and she she tells her that uh, Kyle Huber called her olive oil. 
So Benson is talking to I think it was Lori, something like that though. Cause says um T was like telling that Mr. Hubert's like that it um that he has some hands and all that stuff. I mean, I mean, I don't Mr. Hubert be flirting with the young girls and shit like that though. I mean, is he some kind of a pedophile or something like that? I don't know about that though. So we back in the squad room. And um, it turns out that um, the detectives turn out that Kyle have a love nest somewhere in the city and he got another house. So we outside um, Kyle's other apartment and they talking to a landlord and all that stuff. So Benson stay able to talk to a landlord and much has been coming with the warrant. They go and they raid his damn, they raid Kyle's house and they discover, oh, a bunch of, dolls teddy bears you know like um the bedroom decorated into like kids and all that stuff and find out they found semen on the damn sheets oh my goodness this guy probably he kyle probably probably had like a probably break that little 16 year old girl named christy oh my goodness and then so <laughs> oh next scene it's gonna get you shocked and surprised. So we're in the interrogation room. Kyle Benson and Stable are talking to Kyle, and they want they're gonna plan on charging him with um, a, like um, statutory rape because the girl was 16 and all that stuff though. And then Kyle was like surprised. I mean, he was like, "You're like you detectives are stupid. We kept our relationship private, private to keep you with the program." And then all of a sudden, Mr. Hubert tells Benson Slabler that Christy was not 16. She was 19 years old. Oh, Benson Slabler looked a little puzzled like that. So it turns out that Kyle had a relationship with Christy and and the sex was consensual. Not like rape and statutory, or statutory rape or something like that, though. Damn, so baby black. So we're into act four, and then we're creating his office. And um, the detectives, Benson State, the detectives are watching, Stable are watching this video on uh, Christy doing practice and stuff like that, though. So Benson was like, um, Some of these girls, though, they starve and their body's not even developed. So she mentioned some of them that they have no. They didn't have not using any estrogen. Said so no estrogen, estrogen, no growth. Cause um, Christy was nineteen. She doesn't even look like a night. She does have a nineteen-year-old body. She has like a body like a a preteen, 10, 11, 12 years old, and they don't develop any curves or stuff like that though. Because they've um, you starve themselves like anorexia, bulimia, and then have no estrogen in your system, and so. At orders of them to be, keep the weight perfect, so that's rush. So, and then they, right now they want to look into the the Russian dude from Oz, though, why? Because they're trying to figure out that he he if he killed her, I feel like that though. We don't know about that though. So Kyle has nothing to do with killing um, Christy. Though. I mean, they had like a sexual relationship and they kept it in private, something like that though. Just to protect the program or whatever. So Munch arrives and Craig goes to office to tell her that Christy's parents are here. So Captain Cragen is in the office and he's talking to Christy, Christy's parents and tell her about her death. And um they, you know the couple though. I mean, they have mixed feelings about this this Christy chick though, because um and he and you know the father blames the his wife for grooming her putting her in this position stuff like that though and i mean she telling him that you did it all for yourself he blaming her saying he did it all for herself but you know no i mean i don't know the parents are a wreck though i mean they're for oregon you know the, the my my guy works as a salesman the father sells insurance or whatever i mean they just like average parents so i don't know you know try and make a little money So, 
or whether though it's just they found out that um Christy Christine's running mate Lori was spying on her. So um we go back to the gym, Benson and Slaver right back at the gym, and you see Lori, she's practicing by herself, and they talk to her about uh they talk to her about what happened to Christy on the night of a murder. And uh, Lori tells him that she was spying on her and all that stuff. And then, and he had the Russian, he, she, and the Russian dude, Russian inmate from Oz, though, or Korska, though, he had uh, Lori spying on, on uh, Christy because she was having sex with, um, the, that Mr. Hubert. So, next thing you know, here comes the Russian, Mr. Korska, you know, here comes a Russian inmate from Oz comes in, and Manson and the stable is like, we got some questions for you. So a minute later, we're in his office, and and you know the Russian guy from Russian inmate from Oz tells them that um, he wanted Chrissy to break off a relationship with Mr. Hubert because she saw her coming out in his apartment one night. She smelled like sex, and she tells him to break it off if you want to train again or whatever. And after that, he let her run with Lori and all that stuff, though. So, um, on the night of her murder. So, I don't think he's responsible of um, killing her the last time. He, he, he so that, and I mean, and that night of the murder, she was, Christy was running with Lori. So, we're trying to figure out what happened. So, we're, in the, we're back at the squad room right now, and then... And then, and then somehow, you know, they had they throw this thing in the chalkboard about the running promenade and um, the area where um, Roy was killed. But Munch, he has a hunch. He try, he gone. He and then, Evan was like, "You're saying you're not going to be sentimental." And Munch was like, "I beg you, I beg you that pardon." So he goes over and tells him and uh, draws a letter V, which stands for vendor. He says, Munch tells him that there's this vendor he'll be opening his business from morning until late at night, though. So he knows and he, Munch thinks that a vendor may have a clue to lead to her murder. And Craig was like, well, let's visit Munch's hunch a visit. Let's visit Munch's hunch a visit. So, <laughs> okay, so, um, Next scene, we out here on um, Riverside Drive, you know, and um, I think it was somewhere in um, Riverside Drive. I think, I believe it's somewhere on the Upper West Side, or it could be near 125th Street. I don't know what it is, though. So Benson Stabler talks to the vendor, and then he's, and the vendor tells him that he saw the two girls running late at night and stuff like that, though. So, and then, and then he tells them, that um, the other night they were, they, they, I heard them. They were trying to figure the new route. So later that night, though, Benson stayed there at the meat packing district, and they're waiting for Lori. And then they, when they see her jogging towards them, and then they stop her, saying, "Yo, please let me go. You're in my, let me in my way." And, Bens, and Benson was like, "Just as Lori got in your way." <laughs> and then they take her to the um, precinct for some questioning. Okay, we're at the um, interrogation room, and then Lori is like kind of nervous because I mean she's like shaking her legs, and then she folding her arms, saying, "Can you make this quick? I gotta finish my run." And then Benson Stable is asking her like a couple questions and what happened at her night uh, when um, Lori, Lori when when um, the girl was killed, murdered. So. And then Lori, she became jealous because because um Chrissy had everything and she got nothing. And next thing you know is after she broke it off with the the Mister uh, Mister Huber and stuff like that. They went on jogging and then they had this argument and then and then and they had a little fight. And then and the next thing you know is that that Lori threw a brick at Christy. And killing her, and then, and then Lori confessed of killing Christy over jealousy. And Lori was like, "She made me do it." 
Oh my goodness. This young bitch is sick. I mean, you you kill your teammate or running mate over because she's jealous and this because she has everything and she got nothing. I mean, that's like a rage and stuff like that, though. I mean, but you she said that she threw a brick hitting her. It was by accident. I mean, she picked up a brick and threw out of her hand and it hit her by accident, and then she died. And then Christy was changed her changed her tones like she made me do it. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so it turns out that um that Lori killed Christy in with a damn brick. So it's no prostitution right there, it's just over jealousy. So we back in the gym and then um Benson Saber tells him that Lori confessed. And and they asked her if he could see her. And he was like, after during after the finals, like he was like, he don't she tells him he's an imbecile. And he don't have time to talk to her. I mean, he he like, you on your own, bitch. I ain't got I ain't gonna deal with you no more, man. That's not my problem. So he the coach decides to go about his business, though. And then he was telling training the girls saying, good. Fire, higher, stronger, focus, stronger, faster. That's my girls. Fade the black, big wolf. End the episode. So it turns out that um, Kate Mara killed her teammate over jealousy. I no prostitution going on around here. So that was a good episode. All right, so speaking of gymnastics, um, recently, about, about a few weeks ago, um, in the headlines, you have these gymnasts, including Simone Biles and a couple other ladies, though, they went to the Supreme Court to testify against this guy who's been molesting them, um, abusing them sexually, harassing them, sexually abusing them during the training, and... I forgot the guy's name, but he was a trainer for these ladies and then for, for the gymnastics and then he was like sexually harassing them and, and probably abusing them, probably raping them and all that stuff though. So he got arrested last year for the, his crimes and um, Simone Biles and a couple of other ladies, they came out to testify against him and for the, the abuse that they have suffered though. And sexually, they sexually assaulted them. So it goes to show you this this trainer. He's like a damn pervert, man. He's lusting after young ladies. I mean, he's like a damn pedophile. I mean, he's trying to groom the ladies and all that stuff. I mean, but he be touching it inappropriately though. And you know, the lady don't even like that though. So you know, the sports world could be cruel sometimes, and it could be also sexist. I mean. Women trying to do their part, and then these men just take advantage of them. I mean, to use them and use them is messed up. Cause um, so hopefully you know, the guys will get sentenced. But um, Simone Biles though, she's like a celebrity. I mean, she participated in the twenty twenty one Olympics this year and then she suffered like a mental breakdown. She had to take a rest and all that stuff though. But but she was also famous um going up to testify against her abuser, including that um white girl who made a smirk face. And I remember she appeared on a Dyke Geico commercial recently. But I'm, I'm going to tell you that this, the sports world can be so cool and sexist sometimes. I mean, when we want men to be like men and all that stuff, though. So, so I mean, if a woman has a gift, though, you know, you have to give it out there. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm, I mean, I don't have that much time right now because, you know, I need to get some rest. Oh, yeah, by the way, um, Nick... I'm about to go next week, though, though, we're going to be going to college and Benson Stabler is going to investigate a woman who was unexpectedly pregnant. She, she ain't seen somebody. So was she being set up and who who knocked her up? So 
we're gonna find out what's going on about that. So this is um Twisted, a Lorenor SVU podcast. And you can listen to us on Spotify or Anchor FM or a website. And I'll be posting my uh, episodes on Twitter and Facebook every week. So you can listen in and tune in, see how you like the show. All right. Now, this is written by myself. And it's all produced by myself. I'm like a one-man show and all that stuff, though. So I'm... And no one backed me up or anything like that. So I'm gonna say this is BD Rose and and this have a good week and this show has been broadcast from my house. And I'll be back next week in a new episode. Alright? Good night. I'm no good day.